Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. We said last week that one of the first things that we have to admit is that we all have limits. All of us in this room have limits. We have time limits, we have uh, moral limits, we have financial limits, we have emotional limits. We all have limits, and, and our tendency, because of the culture we live in and because of the way we're wired, is to take everything to the limit, to, to, to kind of max everything out, to push things to the edge, to go as far as we can go, to take things as far as they'll go. We do that with, with our schedule, we do that with our, our time, we do that with our relationships, we do that with our money, we spend it any way we want to spend it and wonder what happened to it. We tend to get emotionally stressed out to push things to the limit morally, to ask the question, how close to, the, to sin can I get and not actually go over the line and just find out where are all the lines? And we just kind of max out and live life in those terms and at that limit. The problem with that, as we said, is that when you live that way, you end up squeezing God out of the margin and you end up squeezing the margin out of your life. Margin is the leftover. Margin is the extra. Having margin in your schedule means you have time to relax. Having margin financially means that you have money left over at the end of the month. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. think I'm speaking another language right now. Having margin emotionally means that there is a, a, a stressful thing or a stressful situation, but you have emotional reserves and you are not stressed out by it. To have moral margin means that you... You don't go so far that you cross certain lines, but if you ever do cross a line, then it's not like you enter into a crisis situation or you haven't created some kind of disaster. We all need margin in our life. That is, we need to move back from the extremes, we need to pull back from the edge and live our lives with margin. The other thing we discovered in looking at Scripture is that as we follow God, God is going to lead us back from the edge. He's going to bring us back from those limits to lead us to a place where we live life with margin. And and the reason is this. It is in the margin that the most important things in life happen. It's in the margin that we develop relationships. It's in the margin that we have intimacy. It's in the margin of life that we experience great friendships. It's within the margin that we get to know our Heavenly Father. I told you last week, I don't know how many times I've heard this, I'll be talking to somebody and they'll say something like this. I used to follow Christ, I used to go to church, then I got really busy, and I just don't go to church anymore. What they're really saying is, I just don't have time for God anymore. Now, they know better than to say it like that. They know that doesn't sound good, but that's what happens. I said last week, people don't just walk away from God. They first walk away from church, and in walking away from the church, they walk away from God. Somebody asked me one time, Brett, how important is church in all of this? And I said, okay, if you're a soldier, and I'm going to send you to Iraq. You want to go by yourself, or you want to go with an army? You want to go with an army, right? Yeah, we need each other. I need you. You got to have my back. I got to have yours. Someone might be heard to say something like this. I started spending all my money the, the way I wanted to spend it. I got all stressed out and I didn't have any reserves and I looked around and God was gone. Essentially, I squeezed God out. Not intentionally. That was never my plan to intentionally squeeze God out of my life. That wasn't what I was trying to do. But I got busy and in an attempt to To get the most I could out of life, I lost control. That is the testimony and the story of so many. Brett, the reason I got so busy is I didn't want to miss out on anything. The reason I spent my money the way I spent it, I didn't want to miss. I wanted to keep up with everybody else. 
I didn't want to fall behind. I spent my money that way because I wanted to keep up with everybody. The reason I get so emotionally out of whack, I'm trying to do too many things at one time. I'm trying to keep up with everybody else. I just didn't want to miss anything in life, and now my life is pretty much out of control. And the truth is, all of us are going to live within certain limits. There are limits, and we will live within those limits. But they will be the limits that our culture pushes us to, or they will be the limits that God leads us to. It's our choice. And the limits that he establishes for us are the limits that give us margin. They are the limits that give us the extra, the leftover, the place to breathe the place to relate to people, and most importantly, a place to relate and to know our Heavenly Father. I um, to, to, to start things off today, I, I brought a video I want you to see before we get started this morning. These are roughly 28,835 jelly beans. I counted out 500 of them and used those to weigh the rest. In this pile, there's one jelly bean for each day that the average American will live. You might have more beans in your life, or maybe less, but on average, this is the time we have. Here's a single bean. It's your very first day. A special day, but kind of a rough day on everyone involved. Add 364 more, and you have the first year of your life. Now, for a sense of scale, here are your first 15 years. 5,475 days. Which brings us to the threshold of adulthood. And at that moment, this is the time that we have left. And this is, on average, what we will do with all that time. We will be asleep for a total of 8,477 days. If we're lucky, some of that time we'll be sleeping next to someone we love. We will be in the process of eating, drinking, or preparing food for 1,635 days. We'll be at work, hopefully doing something satisfying, for the equivalent of 3,202 of those days. 1,099 days will be spent commuting or traveling from one place to another. Maybe a little bit more if you live in L.A. On average, we will watch television in one form or another for a total of 2,676 days. Household activities, like chores and tending to our pets and shopping, will take another 1,576 days. And we will care for the needs and well-being of others, our friends and family, for 564 days. We'll spend 671 days bathing, grooming, and doing all other bathroom-related activities, and another 720 days will go to community activities, like religious and civic duties, charities, and taking classes. After we remove all those beans, this is what remains. This is the time that we have left. Time for laughing, swimming, making art, going on hikes, text messages, reading, checking Facebook, playing softball, maybe even teaching yourself how to play the guitar. So what are you going to do with this time? How much of it do you think you've already used up? If you only had half of it, what would you do differently? What about half of that? How much time have you already spent worrying instead of doing something that you love? What if you just had one more day? What are you going to do today? So clearly, I'm sure when you look up here and see a clock in an hourglass and we're talking about margin, you can kind of tell where I'm going with the series. Yeah, he's going to talk about money. No. We're going to talk about your schedule. We're going to talk about time. We're going to talk about the fact that you, you don't have very much time left. And, and welcome to church. I'm here to encourage you. My name's Brett. I'm your friend. Um, 
It's interesting, though, when you look into the Bible, the Bible has some things to say about this. Um, but let me warn you up front. <clears throat> Part of your response to the message that I'm about to give is going to be this. Brett, I don't have time. Brett, I'm too busy for that. I don't have the time to do the things that are required to have margin, which is kind of ironic because what we're saying is we need more time, and in order to get more time, we're going to have to spend some time to get more time. So at the end of the message, you may say something like, Brett, I think you're right, that makes a lot of sense to me, but I just can't stop or slow down long enough to implement the things you're talking about into my life. And here's what you need to know. If you're a God follower or if you're somebody that's really seeking Christ, along the way, he is going to lead you to a place of margin in your life. So let's jump into it. Let's talk about our schedule. The first thing I want to do is I want to give you three statements. I'm actually going to do two things today. I'm going to give you three statements, and then toward the end, I'm going to give you three more. And these are basically the facts of life. And I'm not talking about those facts of life. I'm talking about the facts of life as it revolves around your your schedule. Um, the, The first one is this. This is the first fact of life where your schedule is concerned. Your time is limited. Your time is limited. And you say, well, you know, Brett, I don't even have to write that down. You might need to write it down because... As you think about the way your schedule goes and as the way you do life and what what your calendar looks like, your schedule life, like most people, you probably schedule it in a way where you think that you have an unlimited amount of time. That's kind of how we schedule our days. We act like we have an unlimited amount of time. And somebody says to you, hey, what are you going to stop doing? And you think to yourself, well, I'm not going to stop doing anything. I mean, I'm going to add some things, but I don't ever subtract anything. You know, I've never asked myself the question ever in my whole life. I've never asked, what am I going to stop doing? I'm always thinking about what am I going to add, and I say yes, and I say yes, and I say yes, and it never occurs to me that uh, that I need to stop doing something. That's because we function as if we have no limit to our time, but the truth is, your time is limited. You will be forced to live within certain time constraints. That's just a fact. Second fact is this. Your time is going to be spent, all of it, every single second of your life is going to be spent doing something. So what I mean by that is you don't have leftover time. You're not going to get to the end of the week and then reach out underneath the bed and say, hey, honey, I got an extra 45 minutes left. How much time do you have left? That's not going to happen, okay? When the the end of the week comes, you're going to be done with it. There's not going to be more time for you. At the end of your life, right before you die, you're not going to reach under the bed, pull out a suitcase, and say, hey, i got another month left. It's not going to work like that. It's not like saving money. You, you, you can save time. You can't save money. Every single moment that you have been given gets spent. You don't save it up. You say, well, Brett, this is so obvious. Why are we talking about this? Well, because you take these simple facts of life and you, you lay them beside how we invest and use our time, and we act as if we can find extra time somewhere. We act as if it's really not a big deal. We say things like, I know this is important. I'm going to do that later. Brett, I'll do that later. I've been saving time for that. Really? Where are you saving time for that? Well, well I just have been. I know I need to do this. I'll do it later. I know it's important. We'll get to it. We'll, we'll get to it. I know, I'm a busy person. You know, I'm going to slow down later, and it's just later, 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 as if somehow there's a big box out there somewhere, and it's got extra minutes in it, and we can, you know, we just get to pull that into our life and have some extra time and ensure that we get all the stuff done we want to get done. Every single moment of your life, 
is going to be spent. We cannot save any of it. And the third one is this. Somebody is going to determine how you spend all your time. Somebody's going to determine that. You have a limited amount. It all gets spent. Somebody is going to decide who spends it. Now, for most of us, the person who determines how that gets spent is us, right? We determine it. We, 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 have, an, a, we have a smartphone or we have a calendar, and we're the ones that we put on the calendar what's going to go into our schedule and what's going to be in our life. You maybe sit down at the beginning of the week or the month and do that with your spouse, where you, you kind of work through, okay, this is what the calendar looks like. But basically, you have control of your time, and you're the one that determines how all the minutes get used up in your life. For some of you, you would say, you know what, part of it is me, but there's another part that, that gets to determine how my time gets spent. My kids determine how my time gets spent, right? You would say, I, I've, got, I've got kids, and they, they've got stuff going on, and they determine. PTA determines how my time gets spent. You know, my boss determines how my time gets spent, and he takes a lot of my time. And all of us know the incredible frustration of feeling like our time is not our own, and we get to the end of the week, and a lot of the things that we wanted to get done, the things that were important to us, we're not getting done. But we didn't get to them because somebody else had their hooks into our time, and that's the problem that we're facing. They caused us to spend our time in a way that maybe wasn't the most profitable for us. But either way, all your time gets spent by somebody, and it causes us to use our time in a certain way. Now, here's the problem with the two scenarios, that that either we're going to spend it or someone else is going to spend it. Whether you're in control of your time or somebody else is, at the end of the day, the week, the month, or the year, because of the way we're wired and because of our culture, what happens because we are in control of our time is we tend to allow the urgent things to, get to, to push the important things to the side. Let me say that again. It's really important. Because we order our days, we allow the urgent things to push aside the important things. The things that we know are important oftentimes just don't get done because the things that are urgent, because the squeaky wheel is saying, hey, do this, do this, do this, and this, is, this looks urgent. And meanwhile, I've got something important over here, and it's never being addressed because we're constantly giving to the urgent. And that's what happens when we're the ones that control the schedule. Things that we know should be a priority somehow don't make it onto the calendar, and so we don't exercise enough, or we don't watch our health well enough, or we don't spend enough time with our kids, or we don't spend enough time nurturing our marriage or the right relationships, and we don't spend enough time playing. And I could go on and on about how important all this is and all the things that we don't do, and nobody would argue, but look at your calendar and you say, I know it's important, why doesn't it get on, why doesn't it get on there? Why doesn't that ever make it to my schedule? Because when you're in charge, and when, you're, when others are in charge of how your moments get spent, the tendency is to allow the urgent things to crowd out the important things. And I said it last week, I'll say it again, busyness is the enemy of intimacy. It just is. So here's what I think God leads us to. I think God says, you know what? You've tried being in charge. You see what happens. You, you let other people be in charge. You see what happens. What if you let me be in charge? What if I was the one that was calling the shots on your time? What if I was the one that was telling you how to spend it? What if you brought your smartphone or your calendar and you surrendered that part of your life to me, how would your life be different? And you said, God, I want you to be in control of how I spend my time. That's a little threatening, isn't it? 
you would say, you know, Brad, I'm not, I'm not that miserable. Okay, I, I mean, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm busy. Whoa, but I can handle this. But listen to me. What if, what we're going to discover today, really, in our time together, is that the most logical thing you could do is to surrender your time to God. And here's why. Because first of all, he's the one who gave your time to you. He's the one. And he's the only one who knows how much time you have left. You have a limited amount of time. It's all going to get spent. Someone is going to control how you spend that time. What would it look like if you were to surrender your calendar and your smartphone and your schedule to the Lord God who gave you time to begin with and who knows how much time you have left? Here's what Job said about time. He said, a person's days are determined. You, God, have decreed, have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. He says, God has determined the number of days that each of us has. In other words, your days are numbered. Okay, welcome to church. I'm so glad you got up and got dressed and came for encouragement this morning. You get up every morning, you look at the day before, you can put a check mark by it, that day is gone, all the seconds are spent on that day. All right, this is not AT&T or, I think it's AT&T that has rollover, right? My Verizon folks need to get on that a little bit. But, but that only happens with cell phones. You don't roll over minutes in life. You can't do that. All your minutes are going to get spent in life. Cell phones kind of get us believing that we can roll over minutes. No, you can't. They're all going to get spent. And it's not like vacation time at work where, if, you know, if you, at the end of the year, they give you some of that back. If you don't use it all, they give you the money back. Or if you retire or resign or quit or whatever, they, sometimes they'll give you some of that money back. Life doesn't work like that. So here's the question. If your days are numbered and they are, and, the, and if your days are going to be spent by somebody, and they are, and if God is the only one who knows how much time you have left, and God is the one who granted you those days, wouldn't it make sense for you to yield your calendar and your smartphone and your schedule to God and say, God, how can I have wisdom about spending the time that I have left remaining in my life? Throughout the Bible, we find God extending people's lives or taking lives from people. Jesus tells a parable about a guy who thought he had lots of time. Turned out he didn't have that much time. It's another place in the Bible. It's a story about a king who thought he was going to die, and God said, no, I'm going to give you more time. God controls the number of our days, and our days are limited. So why would we not bring to him our time and say, God, listen, I'm going to schedule, and I'm going to prioritize the way you lead me and our family to schedule and prioritize our time. Why wouldn't we do that? Isn't that the logical place to take the days we have left? So you might be here this morning, and, and you, 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 maybe you don't believe everything in this book. I was in a conversation with somebody yesterday. They clearly did not buy everything this book was trying to say. We had a long conversation, very frustrating for me, because I highly value this book. Maybe you don't put that much stock in this. Maybe you don't put much stock in the book of Job, because it's kind of a strange book. But you know what? Everybody in this room believes that God controls our days. Everybody in this room believes that. Here's how I know that. If you were to get sick and the doctor were to say you have six months to live, let me ask you a question. If you were to get sick and the doctor said you had six months to live, do you think you'd pray? I think you'd pray. I do. I think you'd be having a conversation with God. Well, God, I haven't prayed in a long time. I always love those television uh, shows or movies, you know, where somebody lives like a total heathen and then, you know, like 
everything drops out of the bottom and they decide they're going to go to God and the prayer starts, hey, it's me. You know, I know we haven't talked in a long time. Sometimes they introduce themselves. I always think that's kind of funny, although it's not. Hello, I don't even know how to start this. Hello. You would probably pray. You know why you would pray? You would pray because you believe God controls the days. You believe God has something to say about how long and and how far you're going to get in life. And sometimes out there, somewhere, there's somebody that's in control of that. You believe that. you, you, You believe somebody knows the limit? You believe somebody knows how many days you got left and can extend those if they want to? That's pretty much what we all believe. What if we came to God and we said, God, I've run my schedule. I've seen what happens. It's not pretty. It's like a balloon that just gets blown into. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And and one day it's going to pop. God, I know that. I've seen what happens when other people control the schedules and they get their hooks into my life. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually it pops and bad things happen when that happens. And I know that you know how much time I have left. And I know that you know what's most important and you know what needs to be there. Why would we not bring to him our time and surrender our time to him? Doesn't make sense to me. And here's what will happen if we do. You will end up with margin. Because when you surrender your time to God, he is going to lead you to a schedule that allows for the things that are most important because the most important things happen in life in the margin. You think about what's happening most important in your life probably is happening in margin. The downtime, the leftover, the extra, the unstructured and the unscheduled. I want to give you three more statements today as we talk about allowing God to create margin in our life. And the first one is very much related to what we've already said so far. Creating margin begins with recognizing that our time, our days, are numbered. Depressing, isn't it? Our days are numbered. That means you only get to be a teenager one time in your life. So if you only get to be a teenager one time in your life, you better do the things that good teenagers do. I'm not talking about doing the things that the bad teenagers do, like, oh, you only live once, I want to do that. No, that'll get you in trouble. I'm Brett, I'm your friend, listen to me. Do the good things that good teenagers do, okay? You only get one shot at doing that. Your your time is limited. Your days are numbered by God. That means you only get to go through your 20s one time. You only get to go through your 30s one time. You get a couple of times on your 40s. But eventually you got to turn 50 and then eventually 60 and hopefully 70 and beyond, right? I mean, you, you only get so much time. And God knows the limit. See, that's the beginning. You know why that's the beginning? Because as you recognize and lock on to that, it will give you a perspective that you need to prioritize correctly. Here's how the psalmist put it. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What a powerful verse. In other words, if you would like wisdom about your schedule, it begins by realizing that your days are numbered when you realize, hey, there's a limit here. I'm only going to get so many of these. Suddenly, you will have wisdom about how to appropriate the days you have left. Think about it this way. What if you were to find out tomorrow, you went to your doctor, and your doctor told you you had one week to live? You got one week. Do you think there's some things that you've got planned in the next week that you're probably not going to do? Like, if you knew you had, you had a, 
weeks worth of seconds left, you're going to probably treasure every single one of those. There probably are some things you're not going to do. If you got a dentist appointment on Wednesday, probably not going to see him. Right? Who's going to go to the dentist in the last day, the last week of their life? Not me. You making your house payment in the last week of your life? Probably not. Right? Some things would change, wouldn't they? You would change some things if you found out you had a week to live. What if somebody said you have a month to live? Probably some things would change. You would prioritize. Now get this. God says, hey, you only have one life. You only get your teens once, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, one time. You get to have kids that are little one time. Now let me indulge me for just a moment, okay? I used to hate it when people talked to me this way. Now I am those people, so now I talk this way, all right? But when my kids were little... And they were stressing me out because I, I had three kids and I had to have them in three different places and there were only two of us and we could only get them so many places, right? I was literally at the ballpark one time and all three of my kids were on, I, and I was umpiring a game and I had kids playing ball on three different fields. Can you imagine what that's like? And I'm like stressed out because I want to see them all. And, and well-meaning, older, wiser adults would walk by and say, better treasure those days. Not going to have them forever. They grow up fast. I just had a conversation with somebody in the lobby about one of their kids that's grown up. I mean, you know, they're, they're, I just remember them being that, and then they're like that. I'm like, when did that happen? You know, I didn't, I mean, I, I slept overnight, but that couldn't have happened. I'm just telling you, those of you who are young with small children, and I see you come in with the diaper bags, and, you know, they're pulling you, and they want a donut, and, you know, they don't want to go to the nursery and all. I, I get it. I get it. I've been there. I've been through all that stuff. Can I just tell you something? I miss those days. I really, really miss those days. Those of you who have older kids, you know, maybe teenage kids, and you're like, my teenage kids are stressing me out. You know, somebody sucked their brain out when they were 12. What happened? You know? I think it was Mark Twain that said that we should put our kids in a barrel and feed them through the hole, and when they turn 16, we should plug the hole. How's that? Right? <laughs> We, we would not do that. We would not do that. But your kids are older and they're stressing you out and you're like, man, what am I going to do? Listen, you only get that time with those kids for a brief period of time. You better make the most of it. And gee, it's easy to think if I had a week or a month, you know, I would rearrange some things and do some things differently. God says, you've only been given one life. How do you live in light of the fact that your days are numbered? And the psalmist says, when you fasten in and you lock in on that one thought, from that thought will come the wisdom you need to spend and invest the days wisely. It's when we think we have an unlimited amount of days that we begin to waste our days. It's when we think that things are going to go on and on forever and it's all going to work out because we'll make up for it later. That's when we lose our margin. And we live at a limit that oftentimes... We don't really even enjoy all that much. He says, you've got to number your days. I heard about a guy who, when he turned 50, he went out to the toy store and he bought a bunch of marbles. He bought 1,300 marbles. He put them in a container, put the container on his dresser. He figured that um, if he lived to be 75 years old, he would go through 1,300 marbles if he accounted for one marble for every Saturday. So he put him in a big jar on his dresser. His wife thought it was the most morbid thing she'd ever seen and made sure she, he knew that. And, um, 
Every Saturday morning, he would go in and he would take out a marble and he would throw it away. And he was heard to say, you cannot believe the perspective that has given me on my time. When every Saturday I go in and I take a marble out and I throw it away. And he said, I walk by that container every single day and I see those marbles and it reminds me that I have got to prioritize my life. You know what? Our time is limited. The psalmist said, if we recognize truly that our days are numbered, that from that thought, wisdom will come to do the kind of things I need to do to prioritize correctly. Second thing that flows from numbering our days is this. We will prioritize accordingly. If we know our days are limited, if we know we're running out of time, the second thing is we're going to prioritize in light of the fact that we have limited days. In the book of Ephesians, this is what we read. Paul said this. Be very careful, then, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Another way you might say that is taking full advantage of the time you have left. So let's rephrase this, let's paraphrase this verse. Taking full advantage of your time because the days are evil, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. This is powerful. He says, because your days are numbered, don't be foolish, be wise. Get the most out of the time that you've been given by God and understand what God's will is. And that takes us back to what the psalmist says as we realize that our days are numbered, there's wisdom in that. Paul says, walk wisely, apply wisdom, prioritize your life around the fact that you've got a limited amount of time, get the most out of your time. Let me give you a little question that you ought to drop into your calendar. I wish there was a way that we could develop a a calendar for our smartphones that whenever we opened it, it started with this one question. Here's the question. When you look at your calendar, you get ready to schedule something on your smartphone, here's the question I want to invade your mind and invade your thinking. Are you ready? Here it is. What is the wise thing to do? What would be the wise thing to do? It's not illegal. It it may be profitable. Everybody else is doing it. All the other kids are going to be there. All the other parents are going to be there. But in light of our experience, in light of the future hopes and goals and dreams we have as a family, in light of the kind of marriage I want to have or the relationships I want to have, in light of my hopes and dreams, and in light of what's going on right now, what would be the wise thing to do? Is it wise to schedule this right now? Is it wise to commit to this? Is it wise to sign up for that? Not is it right or is it wrong, because some things aren't necessarily wrong, they're just not wise. But in light of the fact that my days are limited, in light of the wisdom that I have from realizing that time is going to run out, what is the wise thing to do? You add that question to all of your calendaring issues, it is going to change your thinking. It's going to change the way you schedule. It's going to streamline some things. The right stuff's going to get in and the wrong stuff's going to stay out. Do you know how we calendar? Well, I don't have anything going on Thursday. Sure, I can do that on Thursday. I'll write that down on Thursday. That's how we calendar. Friday night's open. Someone calls you. Hey, what are you doing Friday night? Uh, Let me check. Friday night, we're not doing a thing. Hey, you want to go with us? Sure. Because the thinking is, if Friday night is open, that that must mean you've got to schedule something in there. You don't have to schedule anything on Friday night. In fact, I would suggest 
that you keep some nights open for your family so that you have some margin and you don't have to be running all the time. You go, man, we just run all the time. Whose fault is that? Yours. You scheduled it. You wrote the time in. Someone called and said, hey, what are you doing next Friday? Nothing. Want to do this? Sure. I'll write it down. You just keep add, add, add. Here's the question. What are you going to subtract? We do not subtract. What does this subtract you talk about? We, we subtract. We don't need to subtract. We just add, 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 and we keep blowing air into our balloon, and the balloon's getting bigger and bigger, and guess what? It's eventually going to pop. Dudes, when your wife comes in and starts yelling at you because she's stressed out because she's got too much stuff going on, the balloon just popped. And there's stress because the time margin ran out, and she's letting you know. What if you started asking, is this wise? Paul says, in light of what's going on in our culture, the days are evil. We're being pushed to the limit. See, and don't think I don't practice this. And I'm I'm not great at this, but there's some areas where I'm pretty decent at this. You guys, from time to time, will invite me to do things. That's great. I'm busy. I try to go when I can. There's a lot of things I have to say no to. Once in a great while, you will invite me to do something on a Saturday evening. But a priority in my life and in Didi's life on Saturday evening is we're trying, I'm trying to calm my spirit down. Do you understand that? I've got to get up early on Sunday morning. I'm up really early. I'm, I'm trying to get my brain geared up to be a pastor, to encourage, to pray with and for people, to speak and know what I'm going to say, to remember your names, to, to be you know, to kind of get into your life and to put my life on the back burner and try and make it about you and not about me. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to be a servant. I'm trying to get myself ready to serve. And so on, on Saturday night, and, and you, you've invited me to football games and, and movies and dinner, and I'm always, you know, dinner. I'm down for dinner. But, but Saturday night is just kind of a night that I've said, if I can help it, and I, I don't always do it. Once in a while, I break this, and I'm usually sorry I did, but once in a while, I do. But Saturday night's a night for me. I'm going to be home. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to kind of get my mind in neutral a little bit and wrap it around some different things, try to shift gears. And so when someone calls and says, hey, are you busy Saturday night? No, I'm not busy Saturday night, and I'm not going to be because I, I, I can't schedule anything on Saturday night because I need that margin. In light of what's going on in our culture, the days are evil, we are being pushed to the limit. Paul says, you got to walk wisely. you got to understand what God wants for you and what will happen when we begin to see that our time is limited and we begin to prioritize the right way according to the limited time we've got. We, we, we've got to change that. Now let me say something to all you hard-charging, type A, you know, productive, got to get it done men and women. I am not one of those. I'm not, I don't struggle with that. I, I, I know people who are. I work with some people who are. I get it. There, there's a fear when we talk about this, and here's the fear. Brett, if I bring my schedule to God, I'm not going to be productive. I'm just going to sit around and go, well, you know, if you want to, okay. Well, if not, okay. You know, I'm just going to be nice, and I might go to work. I might not go to work. I might lose my job. But, you know, I'll be nice, and I'll, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to back off and not be this hard-charging type and who cares my family still loves me even if I lose my job right that's not what I'm saying I'm saying God is a God of productivity 
God wants you to be productive. And when you relinquish your schedule to him, the likelihood that you will become more productive really exists. As he brings margin into your life and shows you the areas that you need to cut out and shows you the areas where you need to charge hard. Because there will be some areas where you've got to charge hard. God knows that. God's a productive God. God invented productivity. He knows. But when you, when you relinquish your schedule to him, you're probably going to become more productive. Here's the secret of what happens as we begin to let God bring margin into our life. This is a huge principle. I hope you hear this. Your capacity is not determined by how much you cram into your schedule. Priority determines capacity. Nobody wrote that down. That was good. Priority determines capacity. That as you begin to prioritize correctly in light of the fact that I have limited time, I can't make up for the time later, that's a fallacy. All my time is going to be spent. I want to begin to spend my time on the right things in the right way. I want to put the right things into my schedule first. As you discover that, what you're going to discover is your priority determines your capacity. Your capacity for schedule will be determined by your priority. That is what you put on the schedule first. That's what gets done, what you put on the schedule first. Now, here's how you know about this in your everyday world. This is how you know. I want you to notice something about this. This person is getting ready to go on vacation. They have packed their car. Um, That's our goal, right? When we get ready to go on vacation, we want a nice, neatly packed car. Everything's in its place. I want you to notice that in this car, you can see the rearview mirror. Okay, that's a goal. In case you didn't know, we'd all like for you to be we'd all like for you to be able to see out the back of your car. Now, do we do that? Most of us don't. I confess, I don't always achieve that. But that's the goal. Um, but if you're really creative, you can do this. Some of you, the way you manage your calendar, that's how you pack your car, right? See, I'm kind of weird about this, and I think most people are weird about this, but I don't like other people packing my car for me. Are you like that, right? Like, bring all the stuff and put it at the end of the car, bring it to the back, I'll put it where I need to go. I got to stand there and think about it for a minute and judge and see and measure and, you know, you know I'll, do, I'll do this kind of stuff, like, you know. Um, trying to figure out how much space I've got. And, and yes, I'm probably going to have to do it more than once. I might do it three or four times. But I eventually get things the way I want it, and I stand there, and I want to take a picture, right? Like, look at that. That's glorious. That's so beautiful. And you always want to pack so that you can see out the back. That's the margin part. See, that's the margin part. And what I've learned is what you've learned, that capacity of what I can pack is determined by the priority by which I put things in. Yes, there's a limit, just like there's a limit to our time, but in terms of how much I get in, how much I have is determined by the priority. This is a spiritual secret. This is a spiritual truth that God has given us and he's leading us to this. That as you begin, and the only way to know this is to experience it, but I'm telling you this is true. As you begin to allow God to start helping you prioritize what goes into your schedule, you will be amazed at your capacity. And you will be extremely productive, and you will have margin in your life. You will be able to see the right way out your rearview mirror. Capacity is affected 
and determined by priority. And God says, look, I want you to begin to realize that there is a limit, and I want you to surrender your scheduling to me. And I want you to allow me to determine your priorities. And you're going to begin by understanding these priorities because once you realize time is running out and once you realize I only get one life, it's pretty clear what the priorities are. And I want to make sure God says that you are putting the big things on the calendar first and then you watch as I increase your capacity to get things done. See, you have to surrender your schedule and your calendar to the one who gave you time, who knows how much time you have left, and who has given us this incredible principle of capacity and priority. And you go, but Brett, how do I know what's important? I'm just telling you, as you spend time with God, as you talk over your calendar, as you start thinking about what are the big things, the issue is having the courage to say, God, I'm not going to control this anymore. I'm going to give you control of this. I'm not going to do this anymore. Because when we control the calendar, really important things get squeezed out and they don't get done because the urgent pushes too hard on those. That brings us to the third one, and the third one requires some time. This is the one that when you hear it, you're going to say, Brett, I don't have time to get margin if that's what's required to get margin. Brett, I can't do it. I can't do it. And yet it is connected to a promise of God. Allowing God to help you create margin involves making time alone with God a priority. you got to make time. See, there's something rich and powerful about saying at the beginning of every day, God, I have a whole day ahead of me. I'm going to be with these people. I'm going to spend this time with these people. I want to take the very first few minutes of this day. I just want to talk to you about what's going to go on today. I'm going to begin my day. I'm committed to you ruling over me, and I'm committed to you ruling over my relationships, and I'm committed to you ruling over my schedule. And I'm going to give you the first few minutes of my day. And as that becomes the habit of your life, and I do this, I sit down, I start thinking about what's on my schedule, who am I going to be around, what's going on in their life, I pray for those people. God, how can I be a light? How can I be an influence? How can I be a servant? How can I make it about them and not about me? God, these are the things that I want to be about. Now, how well I do, sometimes that's, you know, that's another question. But, but to, to be able to pray over people and say, I want to make that about them. I don't want it to be about me. I want to serve them. I want to encourage them. God, these are the people that I'm going to meet with today. Are, the, are some of these people people I shouldn't meet with today? Should I wait on that? Is there someone that just came to my attention that really needs my attention? And I'm going to prioritize that. You will become so much more self-controlled about being able to say no to the right things. And you will be so much more pliable when God begins to redirect your schedule and say to you, you know what, I know you think that's a priority. That's really not a priority to me. Why don't we do away with that? You'll become more pliable. You'll let go of things a little easier. It's a way of applying this verse of Scripture. And if you've been in church very long, you've heard this. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first, this is about priority, remember, seek first, that is before you start loading your car, the very first thing you put in, you got to make sure this gets in. You can't wait to the end, this has got to go in. You may leave some other stuff at home, but you better make sure this goes in. Moms, let me just put it to you like this, when you pack your kids' stuff to go on to camp or a conference or whatever, what's the first thing that goes in there, the thing that absolutely has to go in there? Underwear, right? I mean, underwear are going in first, right? Because it's important. 
So that's what we're saying. Seek first his kingdom. You're saying, did he just liken underwear to righteousness? Is that what? (laughs) Yeah, I guess I did. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things that need to be packed, that you need to get stuck in there, that need to make the trip, all these things will be given to you as well. Now here's the interesting thing. When you look in Matthew 6, do you know what all the other things are? House, place to live, something to drive, something to eat, something to wear, all the stuff that we're chasing after, all the stuff that we oftentimes make the first things. God says, when you put me first, I'm going to take care of all that stuff, okay? Quit worrying about that stuff. Put me first. And all these other things will take care of themselves. And Jesus makes this promise. If you put me first, and I think the practical application of that verse is when you wake up in the morning, I think that's putting God first. With all the other things you've got to get done and all the other things that crowd into your schedule, God, you are first. I want you packed into my life absolutely first. And as much as I feel like I don't have 10 or 15 or 20 minutes to give to you, God, you've got it. Minutes with you in the morning, I'm committing them to you. And I think God says, when you put me first, you put me first and you watch me change your schedule. You watch me make you more productive. You watch me make you a better disciple. You watch me make you someone who serves better, who makes it about other people, who becomes less selfish, who's more benevolent. You spend time with me and you put me first and I'm going to bring you, get this, I'm going to bring you margin, I'm going to bring you peace. And I'm going to bring you joy. And you're you're sitting there right now going, peace and joy. I've heard about them. Peace and joy. God says, you spend time with me, I'm going to bring those things to you. The psalmist said, if you order your days aright, there will be wisdom in that. And then you begin to prioritize your life according to what God says, and life is going to go better. And practically speaking, you put him first in your day, in time, maybe not overnight, but in time, your life is going to shape up. It is. There will be margin. Now, here's some of the pushback, and then we're done, okay? I'm going to cover the pushback with you, and then we're done. But, Brett, if I don't cram as much into my schedule as I can, I'll never make it. What is it? What is it? And who told you it is that important? But, Brett, if I don't do as much as I possibly can, I'll fall behind. Let me ask you a question. Fall behind whom? And who told you that they were so important? Well, Brad, if I don't do as much as I can, I won't be acceptable. Acceptable to whom? See, what's driving us is this inner demon. It's us. I gotta do. I gotta do. I gotta. Brad, if I don't do as much as I possibly can, I won't measure up. Measure up to what? Measure up to who? Listen. I tell you every single Sunday, God is crazy about you. He's crazy about you. You don't have to do anything to make God love you more. God cannot love you more. He will not love you less. I think it's something that we've never defined because I think it's something on the inside of us that drives us, and we don't even really know what it is, but it's this internal drivenness And what happens is we decide that we're going to be in control of our time and we let other people control it or we control it. But for many of you today, that could be coming to an end when you come to God and you say, God, listen, you take it. 
my time is limited. I only have so much. You know how much time I have left. You gave it to me to begin with. Teach me. Teach my family. Teach my wife and I how to order our days. And God will take you up on that. And he will lead you to a place of margin. He will lead you to a place of peace and joy. I want to end by just pointing to these two things up here. I heard a guy that I highly respect talk about this one time, and it, it, it changed the way I look at time. He said, at least the hourglass tells us the truth. Because when you look at an hourglass, it reminds you that time is running out. But he said, a clock is lying to you. Because that second hand on that clock just keeps sweeping around and sweeping around. And it gives you the illusion that time is going to go on forever. But time is not going to go on forever. Time is running out. You say, Brett, that's depressing. No. To live is Christ. To die is gain. You tell me I'm dying today? Hot dang, let's go. I get to spend a lifetime with Jesus. What's better than that? As long as I've got time on this earth, God's got things for me to do. But time is running out. I had better prioritize my time. All of you need to have a, an hourglass somewhere in your house so that when you look at it, you're reminded, I've got to prioritize my time because time for me is running out. Let's pray together. Father, we see that second hand sweep like it does and we just have this illusion that it's going to go on and on and on. But Lord, somehow I looked up and I've got gray hair. Somehow I looked up and my kids got older. Somehow I looked up and I'm, I'm, I'm closer to the end of my life than I am to the beginning of my life. And that, that's got to speak to me and that's got to mean some things. And God, I want it to count for you. And the best way for that to happen, really the only way for me to maximize the time I have left is to bring it to you. You gave it to me, you know how much time I've got left, and say, God, show me how to prioritize my life in such a way that it will make a difference for your kingdom and it will make a difference for my family and the people I love and in my case, for a church. So Father, we give you our time and I pray that people will now begin to get up and give you their days and you'll help them to order and prioritize those and they will know margin and they will know joy and they will know peace. Father, we love you, we worship and honor you this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.